Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Geocache Adventures Facebook page, or share it with somebody that you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the podcast. You can also join Geocache Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee. Just follow Geo Adventures. That's one word: G E O Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee and get behind the scenes on every episode or become a member to unlock other exclusive content. And a big shout out to Tammy Congleton. Sorry if I mispronounce your last name, Tammy, but a big shout out to you for becoming a member on Buy Me a Coffee. Thank you so much for becoming a member and supporting the podcast. I appreciate it so much. I truly do. Thank you, Tammy. Hey, everybody. Quick note before the start of the episode. This was recorded in December of 2022, so when you hear us refer to this year, we are referring to 2022 and not the current 2023. Just wanted to clear that up ahead of time. Hi, everybody. Amy Shadow Dragon One here, and with me today is Jeff Caulfield and Julie Hoover. Thank you both so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure being here. So today we are talking about the GPSS and Landsat and Lompoc GeoTour. So to start off, I was wondering if you could each both tell me sort of how you were involved with that GeoTour. Okay, well, I can start. Um, I work for the Joint Polar Satellite System or JPSS, and we are um, based out of Maryland, but we are launching our satellite from Lompoc, California, and we wanted to do something special in the area. So we reached out to some of the people locally to see what was available, you know, what we could do for different outreach events. And one of the things that we got pointed towards was the strong geocaching community. Um, so I reached out to um, Jeff and Dr. Jean and some of the other people who are involved in Lompoc geocaching and asked if we could work together, try to put something together. So I got involved. Um, I'm a business development specialist with Geocaching HQ, and I run the GeoTours program here. So I was involved in the launch of the Landsat satellite, which kind of happened because of the folks with the Landsat team wanted to do something specific for the 50th anniversary of that satellite system. And they reached out and were working with the folks at Lompoc, and we created this GeoTour uh, for that satellite. And then Julie reached out and wanted to see about piggybacking on the existing GeoTour to increase the awareness of both satellite systems and geocaching in Lompoc. So we managed to get it all worked out. And on October 28th of this year, we launched the relaunch of this existing GeoTour and created the JPSS Landsat and Lompoc GeoTour. That's, that's really neat. Geocaching has especially here recently, seems to be doing a lot more combined with space elements. We had the Mars Rove trackable. There's the geocache on the International Space Station. We had the partnership with geocaching and the Geological Society of America to encourage geocachers to develop and visit Earth caches that highlight planetary geology. And now we have this geotour dealing with JPSS and Landsat satellites, which is, to me, is really neat because I'm a space nerd. So the combined space and geocaching, and I'm just kind of geeking out about it. And <laughs> it's it's really neat to see these organizations come together and do something like this for the for the public. Yeah, I think it's great that the 
you know, the NASA folks have embraced geocaching as a way to get word out. Um, and all these caches do have some sort of tie-in to what the satellites do. Um, so there's a lot of educational aspects to it. It's not just going out and finding a regular cache and signing a log. It's it's doing an earth cache. It's doing a mystery or a puzzle or a multi to gather information about what these satellites do and educate the community on these satellites. That's pretty neat. Let's start with the very basic. For anybody out there who may not know, what is a geotour? Sure. So a geotour is basically a curated set of geocaches that can be placed in any location, whether it's a city, a town, uh, a park system, a country, and it's designed to be a self-guided tour. It's designed to take you around and show you what's unique about that area. And in the case of Lompoc, it takes you to a bunch of different interesting places that are tied into how involved Lompoc is um, in launching his satellites and spacecraft in California. And it's a great way to get people into the area and generate tourism revenue. How did you tours get created? Is it something that has to be set up with the business bureau there or tourist center of an area? So typically they are set up in conjunction with a chamber of commerce or a business development organization or a tourism bureau or something like that. But we have worked with state parks, national parks. I've got one in New Zealand where we worked at the Ministry of Education and they created a geotour that is all across the uh, both islands of New Zealand. Um, and it's very popular. So it's it's a wide variety. Typically, we have better success if there are local cachers, like we did in this case with uh, 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 GSM times two being involved. Um, he was the good boots in the ground that helped us coordinate everything and work with the local folks. But it's typically done with an organization. Okay. And then who when it's done with the organization or really done anyhow, who maintains the caches? Typically, you have... Whoever sets the cache is maintaining them. Is that the same case when it's a geo tour? Yep, it's typically the same case. We try to reach out to locals in the local community to see if they want to get involved in helping to place and maintain the existing geocaches for a geo tour. Um, unless it is actually somebody who's very familiar with geocaching, we try to find locals who are willing to step up. And in this case, for the first geo tour, it was um, GSM times two, and then in the second case, it was Dr. Gene who stepped up to help place and maintain the caches for us. Okay, very cool. So let's take a minute to talk about JPSS and Landsat. What are these? Landsat, I think, is maybe one that may be a bit more commonly heard of, but there's probably several people out there that don't quite know much more about it other than it's satellites. So Julie, can you tell us a bit more about these two programs? Sure. Yeah. Landsat and JPSS are both satellites that heavily contribute to remote sensing data. And so Landsat specifically, um, they're in partnership with the USGS and they are collecting imagery um, about the earth. And um, what they do is something called change detection. So they get a lot of imagery of what the land looks like. And then you can see Here's an area where there's deforestation. We can calculate how many acres of that. You know, here's an area where um, we have agriculture and we can learn different things about how well the agriculture is doing there. So anything kind of land focused, Landsat can look at that and give really valuable information to scientists who are studying that. Um, it is a real 
workhorse of remote sensing and GIS technology. Then that's why a lot of people have heard of and used their data. When I was in school, I used a lot of Landsat data when I was getting my master's in remote sensing and, um, you know, coming to NASA, it's sort of like the celebrity satellite for <laughs> things. Um, and then JPSS is something that plays a big role in everybody's life, whether they realize it or not. If you look at your phone and look at the weather, that's JPSS information. 85% of the data that goes into making weather decisions is coming from our data and the instruments that are on, on board JPSS. And um, we do a lot of other applications that people don't realize too that play a role in your everyday life. So we also help with agriculture and um, collect data about soil moisture and droughts and vegetation health and things like that that help farmers um, and other people who are using land decide, you know, what's going on in a place without going there. Um, so that's really critical. We help a lot with natural disasters, both predicting and recovery from natural disasters. And so like all of the hurricane tracking data that you may have seen online recently, um, you know, any of those maps, that's our data that's going towards that. So um, it's kind of, I, I like to refer to it as an underdog satellite. Um, <laughs> it's definitely one of um, the, the more critical satellites that we have up that um, are providing data continuously uh, to a lot of applications where scientists and world leaders and other people are making decisions using that data every day. That's some pretty critical stuff going on right there. What does JPSS stand for? It stands for the Joint Polar Satellite System. Um, and so JPSS is not one satellite, it's multiple satellites. And we just um, launched JPSS2, but basically it's kind of a string of satellites that are orbiting um, the Earth and looking at the Earth every day to get a complete coverage of the Earth twice a day. Um, so that's why, and, and we have a polar orbit. So that's why it's the Joint Polar Satellite System. Okay. About how many satellites are part of JPSS right now? So right now we have three um, okay. because we had kind of like a test satellite that went up before JPSS-1. Um, JPSS-1 is still flying. Um, JPSS-2 just launched and is coming online, um, but we're going through um, J5 is going to be our last okay. one. Um, and the idea is to have redundancy because they're so critical. Um, right. So they have, um, you know, a limited lifespan. Uh, right now we have been exceeding that lifespan on all the satellites. So we've been able to have a lot of overlap between them, which is why we're going to have three up. Um, but, you know, basically the idea is to keep this continuous coverage looking at the earth without interruption or, you know, so if one went offline, the other one would be there to give us all that data that we need. That's very cool. When do they expect to have, I, I know launching satellites is not a minor production by any means and a lot of stuff has to go right to get it launched, but when do they expect to have all five up in the air by? <laughs> no idea yet. Okay. <laughs> there are a lot of factors. There that, are a lot uh, of factors. Play. We have, you know, of course we have a schedule of what we'd like to have happen. Um, but <laughs> of course, and, yeah. And I don't think the, the idea is to have all five of them up at once, um, but just to be able to have, you know, sort of that um, non-interrupted uh, layer of data that's happening there. So. Okay. Okay. So 
this geo tour, what exactly is the JPSS and Landsat geo tour? Um, I'm going to take a quick look at get an exact number of caches in it. I think it is 16 caches. Bear with me a minute. I should have had this up and ready. Yeah, the, the Landsat was Landsat nine, so they had yep. nine caches. Nine caches. We had seven. Um, looks like I got a total of 17. So it looks like you guys added eight to it. Oh, the Earth um, cache. We added the yeah. Earth cache. <laughs> yeah, so Landsat nine was the ninth launch of the Landsat satellite system on the 50th, the 50th anniversary of it. And that GeoTour launched in 2021. And it launched on, I think, um, September 11th or September 18th of last year. And then on the kind of the anniversary of this GeoTour, we talked to the folks in Lompoc and agreed to include JPSS as part of this new GeoTour that we renamed Observing Earth and added eight more geocaches to it. There are the original nine that deal with all of the Landsat technology and history of that. And there's eight new ones that help teach people what JPSS does and how it does it with real world examples of places you, you might look at. And this is what JPSS could tell you about that location. So this GeoTour is really created as sort of a learning module to teach people about Landsat and JPSS. Is that correct? Yes. That was kind of our in intent with um, you know, joining this. So at every tour stop, I wrote up some content, included some imagery from JPSS, and Ginger did the same with the Landsat um, parts of the tour. And so at every stop, you can learn a little bit of something. And so uh, one of the things that I tried to do was tie the applications um, that I'm talking about to the area that you're in. So for example, at the Lavender Farm, we're talking a little bit about agriculture. Um, there's a stop that's at a skydiving place, and we talk about how JPSS is contributing to um, helping pilot safety by creating more reliable data about clouds and things like that. Oh. Um, and we've got my, my favorite one is at um, the coffee shop. We talk about milky seas. And so the, there's a weak latte tie-in there, um, <laughs> but we're talking about bioluminescence in the ocean and how JPSS can see that. And so, you know, hopefully people are learning some cool science facts as well as the message about all these satellites um, that, you know, getting them to think about the earth in a different way. So all this information is in the cash page description, correct? Correct. So anybody that wanted to check out what these geocaches were talking about, even if they can't make it to the area, can just pull it up and read and learn about Landsat and JPSS. Correct. And like Julia mentioned, there's an earth cache that's part of this JPSS version of this geotour that adds in information about a historic flood that happened in the area and how JPSS could or would predict you know, flooding and, and ocean rise and that kind of stuff in the area. So it's once again, it's a really cool geotour in the sense that there's a lot of educational aspects going on at each of these locations. If you want to read the cache page, obviously, you know, a lot of geocachers don't always read the cache page. They just <laughs> go and find the cache. But we're hoping with this one, the, the, the techie, the geeky space folks uh, that love the technology aspect of geocaching will learn about these different different satellites and the importance of them and, and why we need to make sure these things happen. Definitely. So it's really interesting that there's an earth cache as part of this. I 
personally haven't seen that as part of a geo tour before. Is that fairly uncommon to have an earth cache or virtual as part of a geo tour? Well, one of the unique things about geo tours is that every cache type and every terrain and difficulty rating can be a, allowed in a geo tour because they're open to both basic and premium members. Okay. So folks that aren't premium level typically have a paywall against certain cache types and certain difficulty and terrain ratings through the geocaching app. And with GeoTours, every cache type and every cache rating is available to every member of the game. So we try to encourage that as a way for people to get a taste of caches, different type caches. And what you'll also find with GeoTours is they're typically found um, two and a half times more often than a regular cache. So GeoTour cache is found more often than a regular cache that's in the same area and also has a higher percentage of favorite points associated with it because it's typically a higher quality than just the average geocache that's out there. Oh, that's really cool. Is that partly the, the increased number of people find it, is that partly have to do with it being tied to tourism? I, I think it's mostly tied into the fact that when somebody finds one they like it, they're intrigued by it. And because they're all tied together, so when you find the first one of these, if you just happen to stumble upon it, you're not looking for the GeoTour, you're gonna find that there's 16 more caches that all talk about the same thing. And most people are intrigued to, to find them all, to go out and learn more about the area, or explore the area that they're in as part of that GeoTour. Okay. So how does NASA get involved with creating a geo tour, how how does this whole how does GPSS and Landsat approach geocaching and say we want to do something like I trying to wrap my head around who <laughs> reaches out to who and how this gets started? So with the the initial launch of the Landsat satellite system, it was Ginger and Allison um, counterparts to to Julie. Um, were involved in the educational aspect of Landsat. Their job was to go out and educate. So they, from what I understand, hosted a lot of clinics and trainings and educational aspects, and they were looking for a way to reach out to the general public and teach more people about uh, the Landsat satellite system. So they had reached out to geocaching.com. Uh, we had some conversations with them. They were also talking to the folks in Lompoc. So we got uh, Explore Lompoc involved, and basically Explore Lompoc basically funded the GeoTour, and then the folks at NASA were uh, helping fund part of the, the GeoCoin manufacture and aspects of it, and they gave us the educational bits. So it's really a combined effort between Geocaching HQ, NASA, and the Explore Lompoc folks. And for us, when we started looking at things to do in the area, um, we sent some people to Lompoc as part of a site visit and just to talk to the people and, and see what was available and, you know, what the community was like and what their interest level was. And so um, one of the people from Explore Lompoc actually said, you know, hey, we've got this really yeah. thriving geocaching community. Um, they did something with Landsat a while ago. You know, this is something that you should consider. And at first we thought we were going to be too busy to make it happen because we had kind of a tighter timeline for planning our events um, than some of the other projects did. Um, but 
uh, Michelle, who was the team lead for me, she is into geocaching. And she said to me one day, you know, I really want to make this geocaching thing happen, but I don't think we have time. And I said, you know, this is my mission. I want to make Michelle happy. I want to do this for her. Um, so I started kind of having conversations and sending emails to make this happen. And then um, we got on a call with Jeff and he said, well, you know, we've got this Landsat opportunity. Maybe we can merge these things together. Um, and it just ended up working out really well that, you know, I already knew Ginger. We were interested in working together and uh, the pieces kind of fell in place. But a lot of, you know, boots on the ground from the, our partners in California and Dr. Jean to be able to really execute this because with me being in Maryland, I can't look at an earth cache and be able to tell you, you know, here's, here's something about this place. And I looked at a lot of maps and imagery and things like that, but it, it was uh, Gene going out on his lunch hour and really like taking video and sending it to me and taking photos. Like that's how this really came together. Oh, wow. Yeah. To give you a feel for the, the first year, the, the Landsat GeoTour, uh, we had roughly 306 geocaching accounts spend 457 days in the area from six different countries. So there's definitely a wide, wide range of people that visited. And you got to keep in mind that that was towards the end of the pandemic. It launched in September 19th of 2021. So in the first year, um, those are some good numbers. And then what I was mentioning earlier is we've had a good number of people that have done the GeoTour since the, it relaunched or refreshed with the additional um, JPSS caches. So when it did a a relaunch or refresh, however you want to look at it, the Landsat um, caches, those are still the original Landsat caches, correct? They didn't get archived and restarted. Correct. They they just got added onto with the JPSS caches. Correct. We did something rather unique. Typically, we allow GeoTours to add more caches at six months or at a year when they renew and refresh. Um, in this case, uh, to kind of bring delight and joy to the community, um, we officially ended the Landsat GeoTour, but kept those caches alive and rolled them into a brand new GeoTour. So if you manage to complete the history and history of Landsat and Lompoc GeoTour before it ended on the 27th of October this year, you could earn that souvenir. And then when this new one launched, the existing nine caches from that GeoTour were still alive. We added eight more for this JPSS and basically launched a brand new GeoTour. So if you go in there now and find either all 17 of them, or if you found the original nine and you find the additional eight, you earn a second souvenir. Um, same thing with the coins. There are coins available for the, the Landsat GeoTour. If you find those nine caches, you can earn that coin. And if you find the, the seven caches for this JPSS GeoTour, or eight caches for the JPSS GeoTour, you can earn a coin for that as well. So you're trying to bring a lot of joy to the community by giving them two souvenir opportunities and basically two coin opportunities. It sounds like it's being received very well so far. Yeah, from the, the logs I'm seeing on the caches, it, it's it's positive. Um, I heard that the... the uh, celebration event that helped kick it off had great attendance and there was a lot of excitement about it you know the fact that it's a couple hours out of LA does draw a lot from that community um and it gets people to go up there for an overnight overnight trip and these caches are really cool they 
picked out some of the, the most next level puzzles and just put really cute containers together. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but <laughs> every time we would have a meeting, um, I was just so impressed and so excited by uh, the creativity and just how well the the caches tie into their surroundings in terms of the theme and what we're trying to do. Um, so the comments really reflect that people are enjoying the puzzles. Um, they are understanding, you know, why things tie in together. Um, it's very well received. And apparently some of them are uh, quite noticeably challenging <laughs> according to <laughs> through the logs and, and people are giving them a lot of their favorite points. That's awesome. So yeah. when you're trying to put this all together, obviously you want to hit certain points about JPSS and Landsat, but it's such, JPSS especially, it's such a giant system with so many components that it it oversees. How do you pick how to highlight what? That, so that's a great question. And it was kind of a challenge. Um, I sat down and looked at some of our high points. You know, I obviously want to talk about weather. I obviously want to talk about agriculture. Um, but then for some of the caches, especially because we had so many, um, I met up with my friend, Amy Librand, who's a science writer. And I said, what are some of the cool things that you've been writing about that are applications of JPSS that we don't talk about all the time? And so that's how the, you know, the Milky Seas bioluminescence came up because that's been a very recent study and tie-in and, you know, who doesn't want to talk about sparkling oceans, you know, that mystify sailors and things like that. So that was one that I said, okay, for sure, we're putting that in. Um, and then she had been writing about the, the aviation tie-in. So I wanted to do that. Um, and then we have put together at JPSS um, recipe cards that, talk about JPSS on one side as an education product, but also we gathered recipes from the community that use really simple garden elements. And so I wanted to use that as a tie-in with the community garden. So there's a cache at the community garden and you can go there and you can also learn about uh, JPSS and recipes and things like that. Um, so we kind of picked the things that uh, we felt excited about and also you know, if you look at our website, you're going to learn some of the high level things about JPSS, but we wanted to do sort of a, a deeper dive into the the cool stuff that we don't always get to talk about. <laughs> so that's kind of what motivated me when I was doing the writing. Julie, do you have a favorite topic or GPSS tie-in that you guys got to highlight with the geocaches? Mm, let me think about that. Um, well, so I don't know, this doesn't precisely answer your question, but one of the things that we were excited about when we started looking at Lompoc as a location um, was that there's a lavender farm there. And so all, all the time that I was, um, you know, putting together all these outreach events and planning to go to Lompoc, I was daydreaming about being at that lavender farm and making lavender angels and, you know, just <laughs> getting out of my car and having that smell hit me. And so um, Dr. Jean worked with the people who own the lavender farm and they said that we could put a cache there. And so then I just sort of wrote a, you know, a, a tie in to have it make sense. 
um, so that we could justify having a cash out at the lavender farm. And it is such a beautiful location. I got to go out there before I left California and see it. And it is just a phenomenal place. And they have put um, a really challenging puzzle cache there. So it's a, it's a good place if you, you have to spend some time. You can enjoy your surroundings while you're frustrated. <laughs> Maybe the lavender helps relieve some of the stress of the, of the puzzle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, from what you were, you're saying, Dr. Jean obviously was a very big part of, of getting this sort of coordinated from Maryland and California and the locations. How did he get involved? Well, like I said, initially, um, Scott Miller, uh, GSM times two, was the main geocacher involved in the Landsat Geotour. Um, he lives uh, far enough south that it was uh, an effort for him to get up there and do this again. So he really tried to find somebody local. So he knew Dr. Gene and reached out to him and convinced him that it'd be worthwhile and worth his time to get involved. And so he was very, very instrumental as boots on the ground. And that's that's a key to any good geotour. It's having a geocacher who is experienced, knows the community, knows the hides, um, can research the area and find the things that are important and, and the tie-ins. And that's really what you know Scott did for us initially and what Dr. Gene did for us in this go-around was, you know, went out and explored areas and came back with different ideas. We had several uh, video calls amongst the team before this launched to say, okay, you know, what about this? What about that? Okay, let me see about getting this cash move because in some cases there were um, conflicting caches in some other locations that we needed to kind of work around um, and we do give a little bit of flexibility in some of the, the guidelines and hiding and placing caches with geotours but there are certain things we just can't can't get around and that's proximity issues so dr gene worked with local cashers to say hey would you mind archiving your existing cash to allow us to put this geotour cache there so he was very very instrumental and i give him a lot of credit he put in a lot of a lot of time, a lot of effort, um, and he's kind of reaping the joy of being in there and being able to read all the logs and see, you know, the joy he's bringing to the community. That's pretty awesome. So when you're working with Dr. Gene, is he, how does this work? Do you say we want to highlight these ideas and he goes and finds a place or does he say, hey, we have these interesting places. Would any of them work for your ideas or is it sort of a mesh of both? Definitely a mesh of both. It was uh, just a great collaborative effort because I kind of went through and wrote up some things on topics. And, you know, I had looked at the map and scrolled around and found different places that I thought were interesting. Um, but, you know, because he's there, he was able to jump in and say, you know, hey, there's this one mural that's the, the Garden Club's mural. This will be another great place to put something um, and I wouldn't have necessarily, that wouldn't have jumped out at me from looking around on the map. So having him suggest that was great. But um, for all of this, like having all of this collaboration on the call between Ginger and Scott and Dr. Jean and Jeff was really great to get this to be the best tour possible because everybody brought their creativity and ideas and we really worked well together as a team. Uh, and, and I think that that was um, it was sort of an improv yes and situation where somebody would have an idea and then other people would chime in and say, oh, but we can make it better and we can have this twist. Um, so it was really fun that way. Sounds like it. It sounds like 
hearing you talk about it, it sounds like it went smoothly. I know every project has its little kinks and, and difficulties, but <laughs> overall, it sounds like it, well, it definitely sounds like there's a lot of passion behind the project. It definitely sounds like everybody was was very enthused and very happy to jump in onto this. So whatever difficulties you guys overcame, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we have no idea what difficulties you may have overcame, but you, you did it and it, it's awesome. <laughs> like this is, it's such a cool thing to see something like this come together. And I mean, what better way to highlight satellites than a game that requires the use of satellites. <laughs> yep. That's true. That's a great point. Yeah. And with both of us being Earth-focused satellites, I think that there's an opportunity there for that tie-in. You know, when people think NASA, they think, you know, I'm look looking at the moon, looking at the space, James Webb, Artemis, like those sorts of things. But yeah. A lot of our bread and butter at NASA is actually looking back at the Earth and monitoring climate change and um, making the Earth a better place for humans to live. And I think that that kind of gets lost in the message of what NASA does because it's not as um, sexy or compelling of a narrative, <laughs> right? Um, so whenever we have the opportunity to highlight that, especially to a community of people who really care about the Earth and you know, get out in nature to do these sorts of things, it makes for an obvious tie-in. So have you seen any kind of outreach or anything? I, I don't know how, how that works with JPSS, if there's like an outreach or something on the website where people can go and, and ask questions or just say, hey, uh, I got to do this and learn about your satellite. Thanks for working with us. Is there anything like that for JPSS? That's an interesting question. Um, there are a lot of ways for people to, you know, kind of reach out to us. Like you're saying, you know, we have social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter, um, and also through NOAA satellites, we have an Instagram account. So that's definitely one way where the public gets back with us. And there is like a comment section of our um, website, but um, specifically through this geo tour, like I have been going in and, and reading the comments about it, um, you know, just for curiosity. Um, but I think most of the way this benefited us was being able to um, be at the GeoTour kickoff um, because they got to hear from our director, Tim Walsh, and he gave a presentation about JPSS. Um, the mayor was there of Lompoc, which was super cool. Um, but we also had just a breakfast beforehand where we were able to walk around and talk to people and um, we gave out some of our uh, fun informational products that we have about JPSS, like we have a, a coloring book and we have some other, um, you know, activity book type things. And so we had a really nice turnout to that. And it was just nice to be able to talk and have one on one in person conversations um, with those people before they went out. Um, and we had a pretty big group from our team come out. So we, there were a lot of people from NASA walking around and, and chatting with folks, but yeah, other than that, there's, there's not like a direct way for them to portal from the <laughs> to, <laughs> tour to talk to us directly, yeah. but I, I would encourage it. Yeah. I was just wondering if there had been like additional outreach because because of people learning more about it from the geo tour, but I wasn't sure how they would outreach or how that would be 
monitored. So it's kind of a complicated question. I think you answered yeah. it very well, but yeah, it's <laughs> well, there might be a way, you know, and our social media folks could answer this, but I know that they can tell when people come to our webpage, how they clicked into our webpage. Um, okay. So we did include links to a few different spots um, on our, on our webpage throughout the tour pages. So the recipe cards, like I mentioned before, our education and outreach material website. Um, I think some of the data directly they can go to. So I'm sure if I asked the right person, they could look and they could say, geocaching.com <laughs> sent X people on these days. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the event that was held to kick this off had a pretty big turnout. Did you see a lot of like families walking around there, people with kids, or was it mostly adults or um, it was mostly adults. I didn't see any kids at that gathering. Uh, but one of the things that I learned later, uh, some of some of our people went out and did the tour because they are geocachers. So immediately at the kickoff, they ran off and did that. Um, but one of the things that we learned is that, uh, and I guess this is part of the culture, and Jeff, Jeff can let me know if this is true or not. Um, but some of the people, instead of coming to the kickoff, were actually like waiting in their cars for the tour to go live so they could be... <laughs> first, first to find <laughs> and I did notice that as soon as the tour went live uh the breakfast crowd cleared out really fast and the <laughs> the room emptied there are a couple people politely finishing their conversations but so, yeah, it is it, it is definitely like a shock that. yeah it's definitely a shotgun start um all the caches go live the geotour goes live at the end of the event and people are gone I mean that's that's the beauty of the way these things are set up. And you, you mentioned the mayor of Lompoc being there at the event. Um, they have to be really pleased with it because like I said earlier, I mean, there's been 332 geocaching accounts. So roughly 600 to 700 people have spent 493 days in the area. So it's definitely putting, as we talk about in the, the tourism end of the world, heads in beds. And that's what those cities and towns want to see is people staying overnight because it's it's meals, it's it's gas, it's uh, visit you know stores and those kind of things. So it definitely drives the the economic revenue in those small cities and towns. And Lompoc is not a very big place. I haven't been there. I've looked at it on the map several times, but it is it's kind of a wide spot in the road. It um, is. Yeah. Julie can kind of confirm that for me. I'll get down there one of these days, but so far I've not been there. It's beautiful, you know, and I think people who participate in this geo tour probably realize that because they're going to so many of the most beautiful places in town. Uh, I found it to be a really charming place, but unless you have a reason to go there, you know, there are some wineries that are in the area, um, but that's it. They're in the area. Right. Right. Um, so uh, I think that it is kind of a perfect spot for this because it, you know, maybe you were planning on going to Santa Barbara, maybe you were planning on going to the winery, but all of a sudden, Hey, this is in the area. I can turn off and see it. Um, and these tour stops, most of them bring you to, um, you know, really kind of the heart of Lompoc, the, the downtown area, old town Lompoc. And so you get to see everything that's going on in that community. Um, but then on one side of the spectrum, you have the, um, the sites that are at the beach, which are just fantastic. Just the drive there, we kept saying, wow, I can't believe this is real as we're driving through it. And then it brings you out to the other side of the town, 
um, closer to Solvang where the lavender farm is. So you get to, to enjoy this whole spread that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have if you didn't stop to do the tour. Very cool. This geo tour, does it have a time limit on how long it's going to be available or is it going to be one of those, is it just dependent on if the community decides to renew it after a year or how does that work? So basically geo tours are a 12 month package. They, they last for 12 months from the day it launches. So the end date on this one could be um, October 28th of 2023, unless the city and the Explorer Lompoc folks decides they want to continue to fund it. Um, and I'm sure NASA would okay. love to keep it going, but uh, you know, th there's there were issues, I think, with some of the financing and funding um, from different sources. So it was easier for the folks at Lompoc to, to come up with the money and fund the geotour. So it'll it'll be up to them. And we'll do everything we can numbers wise to convince them that it's worth keeping folks going back there. Who knows? We may have another NASA tie in in 2023. <laughs> you never <laughs> expand know. Expand it out further. Expand <laughs> it out to a different satellite system. Who knows? Um, <laughs> it's been fun working with NASA. We've got some great relationships. You know, you mentioned the the Mars rover and other things that we've done in the past. Um, with different folks at, at NASA, and it's it's part of that geocaching community. Um, people that play the game get excited about it, and they try to figure out ways they can tie their specific job into geocaching and, and tie that that tie in. If it wasn't for Julie's boss, I'm not sure we ever would be sitting here talking about this. You know, if she wasn't the geocacher, um, it might have been. Ah, that's kind of a cool idea. Next. <clears throat> and Jeff, you may not know this, but all the the NASA collaborations that geocaching has had, has that been because somebody has at NASA has reached out to geocaching? Oh yeah, most definitely. It's, it's somebody, you know, the, the, the Francis McCubbin um, geologist that works down in Houston. He's the guy that got us involved with the Mars Rover and he's a, he's a geocacher. He's, you know, big into the game um, and loves it. And he wanted us to, to tie that aspect in. So it's, it's really always been somebody from NASA reaching out to us saying, hey, you know, how can we work together? And then it's this combination of back and forth and collaboration. And like, you know, um, like Julie said, that that uh, um, improv kind of yes and um, aspect of, you know, yes, we can do this, but and we can maybe do this kind of thing. So um, that's the way the Mars rover rover happened. So. Um, we love it. A lot of us at, at headquarters are tech geeks um, and love the game and love the, the other aspects of technology. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's a, that is an extreme way to find a way to incorporate your hobby with work. <laughs> yes. yes, it is. But it's pretty awesome. Now I'm sitting here trying to think of how I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people you can have a meeting with. <laughs> well, Julie, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me tonight and sitting down and talking about this. It's been very informative. It's, I've, I love this. I now want to make a trip out to California to do this. And I will probably be looking at the cash pages myself because it's probably going to be quite a while before I make it out to California. But <laughs> this is awesome. I just love seeing this collaboration together of NASA and geocaching. And when 
GSM times two reached out to me and said, Hey, I think you might be interested in this. I was geeking out like, Oh my gosh, they NASA and geocaching did it again. And it's halfway across the country and I can't get there. Like, <laughs> It's been fun. And I'll, I'll throw one last plug in for this geo tour. I mean, they got 17 caches and there currently is 686 favorite points. So when you, you think of those kind of numbers, that's that's an awesome average per cache. Favorite and and as of right now, it's been live for about a month. Right. As of this recording. That, yep. That's awesome. I mean, that shows that there's a lot of popularity with, with these caches and they're being well-received and well thought out to get that yep. many favorite points. Yes, sir. That's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you both so much. Really. I, I appreciate you taking the time out to do this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having Thank you. Thank you for listening to Geocache Adventures. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about or an adventure you'd like to share, please contact me at geocache.adventures.podcast at gmail.com or just head over to geocacheadventures.org and head to the contact page and you can reach out from there. I'd love to hear from you. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you.